Find the positive in everything. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we are looking at the Washington Wizards for their season preview for the 1920 NBA season. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. To talk about the Washington Wizards, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Troy Halliburton is here with me. Troy, welcome to the show. Hey, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm, uh, I'm good. It's good to have you here uh, on this show to talk about the Wizards, a team that doesn't project to be all that good, but there are. it's one of the teams with some of the more intriguing rotation questions heading into this season. There's things, uh, shots that have to go around. There are things that have to happen. There are minutes that have to go to players who perhaps under normal circumstances wouldn't necessarily get those minutes. So let's talk about it now. And I always start these shows by looking at the injury situation. John Wall, he is not playing this season. That is my understanding. Is that how you view it? Well, I believe that John Wall will probably miss the majority of the season. Uh, He tore his Achilles uh, and had surgery in uh, February of last year. And so normally that's about a 12-month injury. So I believe that he'll he'll probably be back uh, somewhere around March. But I do know one thing. I know that um, Ted Leonsis, is the owner of the Wizards, uh, took out an insurance policy uh, on John Wall's contract. So Wall has to miss uh, 80% of the season in order to, to, to cash in on that insurance policy. So I think there's a very good bet that he'll admit at the very least 80% of the games for next year. I believe also the Wizards are trying to apply for a disabled player exception, which would require him to miss the season as well. And even if he does come back, it's at the end of March, start of April. It's It profiles to be more of a Paul George return from broken leg situation where he came back and played the final six games of the season and played like 20 minutes a game. That would be all I think we can expect for Wall. So from a fantasy point of view, he's out for the year. We're not expecting anything from him. He's not a draftable guy. And we're looking for his replacements on this team and how that rotation is going to go. But another injury that is probably more important for this actual season, of course, the Wall injury is important. But in in terms of you know what's happening with the rotation, CJ Miles came across, traded for Dwight Howard. I thought he had a chance to start, but now he's dealing with a foot fracture. He had surgery on that foot. It caused him to miss time last season as well. So what are we looking at with Miles here in terms of return date? Is he going to miss the start of the season? How does this impact their Wizards rotation? So CJ Miles, uh, he had a surgery on on a fractured uh, left foot, I believe. And uh, so from from my understanding, he's supposed to be coming back. The, The timeline is supposed to put him back um right around the start of training camp so um we'll we'll be when he'll be uh back recovering from the injury well he'll be able to get back on the court and start doing activity so i i I wouldn't put cj miles uh in in a position to be able to play probably until closer towards maybe christmas 
So it, it, he 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 will definitely uh, miss the beginning part of the season. Yeah, okay. So you've got him out a bit longer than me. I thought he'd be returning some point in November, but again, this foot fracture bothered him all of last season or the, the end of last season. Now he's had another surgery on it. I thought he had a chance to start. I don't think that's going to happen anymore, but he was pretty poor last season. 36% shooter from the field, not from three, from the field, and 33% from three. Now, previously, he'd been a really good three-point shooter, a little bit overrated as a three-point shooter. So all you'd be getting out of him is, is three-pointers, and that's really it. He is uh, going to be 33 at the end of this season as well. So not a player who's going to have too much of a fantasy impact, but his injury opens up a position in that, uh, you know, or not necessarily opens up a position in the starting line, but it does mean that that starting small forward spot is uh, is wide open now. Who do you think is the starting small forward on the Washington Wizards? I believe that uh, Troy Brown Jr. will probably be the small forward for the Wizards next season. Uh, Troy Brown, who was the team's uh, first-round draft pick from uh, 2018, uh, he didn't really have a, a strong 2018-2019 uh, season, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, you know head coach Scott Brooks uh, really decided not to play Troy mm-hmm. Brown Jr. a lot. Uh, Troy only played; he played uh, less than 600 minutes total as a as a rookie, and w- w- which is kind of unacceptable for a team who only won 32 games last season. Um, I think a part of the issue had to do with the fact that you know Scott Brooks and uh, you know was kind of in, in in tandem with Ernie Grunfeld, the team's uh, now fired uh, uh, team president. And, you know, he was trying to keep his job. So in in that sense, like they were playing, they were bringing in these veteran players, you know, trying to win basketball games when in in, in actuality, they should have been trying to develop Troy Brown for this year. But, you know, one of the things that I think that Brown will have this season is opportunity uh, to play. And and I'm kind of intrigued by uh, his perspectives for the season. He's an interesting guy. He did play some minutes down the end of the season when they finally got uh, Trevor Ariza out of the rotation. He had a 24.7 rebound game in 42 minutes, and then he played 36, 33, 37 in the next uh, few games. That was sort of yeah, up and down in terms of uh, production. He had two 13-point games. That was the time when Bradley Beal was still playing, but playing like 20 minutes a night to keep his 82-game streak going. Brown can rebound the ball. He can pass the ball. Um, shooting is a massive concern for him. He's not a great shooter, but he still shot 32% from three last season, which, again, is probably more than I expected from him. He's more of a C-16 team league player who does have that opportunity to start. Now, there has been conflicting reports. I saw Candace Buckner a week or so ago had a report that the, they, she thought that the Wizards would start uh, Rui Hachimura and Davis Bertans at the uh, three and the four. Fred Katz had a, uh, an article saying that he thought it would be Troy Brown. I tend to think that, uh, lean with you and with Katz here, thinking that it will be Troy Brown in that spot. But he, I don't think he's really all that much of a, a must-draft fantasy guy. But there is some uh, appeal there, 20 years of age, Really got uh, screwed over, I think, by Brooks in his development last season. But he'll be someone to watch at the very least for this season, a strong rebounder and someone who can get assists on this team. Let's move into the guy that everyone wants to hear about, and that is Bradley Beal, who obviously was fantastic last season, the 13th-ranked player overall in fantasy. Um, Played 37 minutes a night and all 82 games. I will have a wager with anybody uh, Troy, that he will not do both of those things this season. He will play fewer than 82 games, and he'll play fewer than 37 minutes. Yeah, well, I'm right there with you. As a as a person who covers the Wizards, I think that uh, you know a, a lot of the media members were kind of concerned by the fact that 
you know, uh, Bradley Bill ended up playing all 82 games last season, despite the team, you know, being out of playoff contention and in early March. There was a, a an opportunity to sit back and rest him. And in a day and age where, you know, sports science and, and it seems to be taken off uh, so much, it, it didn't really make a lot of sense to be putting a lot of unnecessary wear and tear on Bradley Bill's body. And he can... I, I, think, I believe he... The, the most minutes of any player in the NBA yep. last season, I think that there's a, is a very good bet that he will not uh, uh, regain that title again for this season. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go off here on this on the Wizards team because it was absolutely ridiculous. Not only were they not making the playoffs, but there is no need to put your number one asset on your team, your best player on your team. Now he he might say, oh, I want to play all 82 games. I got a presser. Yeah, that's fine. In the end. You've got to do what's best for him, and you've got to do what's best for your team. But you also, okay, he, he can play all 82 games. He doesn't need to play 41 minutes, then 45 minutes in a, on a back-to-back. Like, that's almost 100 minutes in two games, back-to-back. And then 38, 39, 45, 39, 31, 44, 37 minutes. That is a string of games in a row. It was absolutely ridiculous. He was doing so much for this team. Oh, he's our only good player. That's cool. You're out of the playoffs. You don't need your only good player to break his leg and have those stress reactions flare up or, or tear his Achilles or whatever just because he wants to play and you need to play him 44 minutes. When you've got other blokes there, throw Jordan McRae in there. You throw more minutes to Troy Brown. It, it was absolutely ridiculous. I don't think it'll happen this season. I think that the the new front office will definitely have words to Scott Brooks. Now, I think that Beal is still really solid as a back-end second, uh, first-round guy, start of the, the second-round uh, sort of a player, but expecting a full 80... And people go, well, he played 82 games last year, so I, I love getting that dependability. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Injuries can happen at any point, and there is there is zero chance he leads the league in minutes again, in my opinion. But we know how good he can be. I think his assists will jump back up. Brooks also said he'll average nine assists per game. Brooks is lying. He won't average nine assists per game. But he'll get a lot of them. He shoots well. He scores. He's very, very strong at that back end of the first round range. But there are things from the end of last season that we should just be expecting not to happen because, again, they made no sense at the time. Grunfeld's gone. Brooks is hopefully in a different mindset, and we should see that stuff change. Um, let's uh, let's move on to that rookie who I did mention, Rui Hachimura. Uh, again, I apologize, Troy. I'm going to be bashing the Wizards a lot on this podcast. I hated the pick. I just didn't understand the pick at that point. I think that Rui wasn't even the best player on his college team. He, uh, he's had some, look, he puts up numbers at times. Like he can score, he can rebound. Okay. I just worry about other things like feel for the game, three point shooting. He struggled, uh, in the game against Team USA. Well, Japan struggled in, uh, in total at the World Cup, but he, he hasn't hit a three at all in the tournament. He is going to play pretty big minutes, uh, I think, for most of this season. Now, when I was reading that article by Katz a few weeks ago, he did say that they think they might bring Hachimura on a little bit slowly and, and off the bench. How do you see his role early in the season and where does it go from there? I would I would agree with Fred Katz in that sense that I I believe that the team's intention is to bring him along slowly because you know they they view him as a, as a, as a as a long term uh, project but the thing is I believe that uh, uh, where a lot of people are really kind of neglecting the potential upside of uh, Rui Hashimura and the fact that uh, you know he's 21 years old but he's only been playing basketball since he was uh, 14 or 15 years old so you know he still has a very a, a lot. Uh, to learn in terms of feel for the game and and just really kind of learning the X's and O's of uh, playing basketball. So, but, I, but what, one of the things that I am impressed with with uh, Rui, I think that a lot of times where people get caught up in what a player can't do, 
and really kind of lose focus as far as what the player can do on the basketball court. And some of the things that Rui can do is he's he's a phenomenal mid-range uh, uh, jump shooter. Um, he he has he has a great uh, footwork on the low post. And I think that we're getting into a sense where the NBA game. Uh, <clears throat> I remember I was watching this clip from Eric Spolstra uh, a couple of weeks ago where he was talking to a basketball camp, and he was basically telling them that you know everybody thinks that the mid-range is dead. But in actuality, when you have NBA defenses who are gearing their whole defense to stop teams from getting into the paint and from shooting three-point shots, then what 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 it is it that teams are giving up at that point? They're giving up mid-range shots. So there's still a place for uh, mid-range jump shooting in, in the NBA. And I believe that Rui Hashimura will be able to develop and ultimately shoot three-pointers, you know, eventually, but probably not for next season. So for anybody who's ex- expecting production from him, but next year, you, I think that it will be very uh, limited because of you know the space on the uh, on the court that he's going to be occupying. I worry about his overall feel for the game a little bit. Passing, I think he'll be a low assist guy, low defensive numbers sort of a player. Efficiency is something we're going to have to watch. Look, I think he's fine to take with a last pick in the draft. I don't think you should be expecting much out of him. Again, I, we both agree, again, with Fred as well, that he's going to come along a little bit slowly at the start. Maybe it's 23 minutes for the first month or so. Maybe it ramps up to 30 later on. I don't think he's going to get the Troy Brown diet that Brooks imposed last season. So I don't think it's going to be, hey, you just play 30 minutes the last week of the season. I think that won't be the same. But I also don't think that he's just coming in, you know, being the number two guy straight away, playing big minutes because a he can't handle it; he's not good enough for that, and that he just isn't ready, and that could have a deleterious effect on his overall development. So I like him more as a deeper league guy. I think he's probably going to have a better season than guys that I rate better than or rate, rate higher than him long term for dynasty, like say a Goga Batadze for the, the Pacers. I think really have a better season than him, but long term I don't know where where he goes in those uh, situations because he's going to have that opportunity. The guy who I do think will start over him uh, for this season is Davis Bertans, who the Wizards basically acquired for free from the San Antonio Spurs after they traded Bertans away to sign Marcus Morris, who, of course, then ditched them and went to the Knicks. Bertans is going to be in a larger role, I believe, than he's ever been in. He can hit threes at a high rate. Uh, he's really good from the free throw line. Overall, I'm not totally sold on his uh, his fantasy upside, Davis Bertans, but I think he's going to have a pretty significant role at the age of 26 in his first real chance to be a, a key player. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very enamored with Davis Bertans and his potential for the Wizards this year because I think that he, he brings something that the Wizards team hasn't really had uh, in the John Wall and Bradley Bill era, which is a true stretch big man. Yep. And so uh, Bertans, he has the size. He comes out of the San Antonio Spurs system where he knows how to play basketball and he knows where to be on the basketball court and, and he knows what he's supposed to be doing. But that, that shooting stroke though, I mean, he, he shot uh 42% from three point range last season. He's a career uh 40% uh, three point shooter. We're, we're talking about a guy who, you know, and, and he, he took, you know, four attempts a game. So it's not like he's, he, he's, he's just coming in only taking one to two a game. Like th- this is a guy who, is you know a, a deadly three-point shooter and so when it comes to uh spacing the floor uh when, when you when you talk about bradley bill you know kind of having the ball in his hands a lot the defense is gonna he's gonna draw a lot of attention from defenses and so at times to kind of just play his role be where he's supposed to be and when the ball comes to him knock the shot down 
Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're going to be seeing from him. He's going to hit a lot of threes. The free throw percentage is going to be good. He's fine as a later round guy. I don't see too much more from Bertans, but I feel like he's going to play the most minutes of his career pretty comfortably, and he's going to come out and have his most uh, effective season. Uh, I know that Kyle McEwen's a lot higher on him than what I am in terms of our projections there, but I still think that he is absolutely worthy of a standard league pick, especially when you're looking for those three-pointers later. We always talk about three-pointers are, are available late in drafts, and Bertans is going to be one of those guys who can provide that for you. Let's now talk about who the player who probably is the second best player on this team, the tank, Thomas Bryant, who is now the starting center. He was the starting center last year, but in another inexplicable Scott Brooks move, he just refused to play him decent minutes. We were getting Bobby Portis minutes. We're getting other guys who didn't deserve that playing time, but they've paid Bryant now. Portis is gone. Jabari Parker is gone. I think we're going to see big stuff from Thomas Bryant. Now, he has his struggles defensively, but he can hit the three. He can block shots. He um, he only played you know 23 minutes or 24 minutes a night over the second half of the season, which was nowhere near enough. Super efficient, hits free throws, block shots, grabs rebounds, hits threes, and scores. I think he's got a chance to at least be a top 60 guy this season, maybe higher than that. He's got a ridiculous rank on ESPN at 131, Steel City. Fantrax at 94, massive value there for him as well. He is going to push up significantly in playing time this year, Troy. Yeah, well, I mean, as you as you said, I think that out to, to even defend Scott Brooks uh, coming into this season, um, the, you know, the team was expecting for Dwight Howard to be the starting center, and you know, he didn't. He just showed up on media day and told everybody he couldn't play. So that that kind of you know uh, put the the starting center position uh, in a little bit of a quandary uh, to start the season. Um, but you know, there's no excuse for. Uh, Scott Brooks to be playing, you know, Bobby Portis uh, minutes at the end of Young the season, Mahimi. knowing that the team was never going to retain Bobby Portis. Um, it, that just made very little sense and, and, and probably did stunt a little bit of Bryant's growth. But I, I can I can attest that Thomas Bryant was one of my uh, favorite players from uh, the Wizards from last season just because of the he, – he's a player who plays with so much energy and he gives maximum effort. And then you combine that with the fact that he is a very skilled big man. I mean, he's got nice hands. He catches the ball. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit. He can shoot uh, from from range. Um, but 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 again, but it all comes back for me the fact that how hard he plays. You know, th- this is a guy who is going to come out there and give you maximum effort. You know, on, on an eighty-two game basis. And so when when, when you look at uh, you know his numbers from last season, he only averaged you know about ten points per game. But if you extrapolate uh, his numbers out uh, over a 36 uh, per game, 36 minutes per game average, you know, he, you, you're looking at a guy who would be giving you 18 points and 10 rebounds per game. Uh, and he shot, uh, you know, 60 percent from the field last year, including 33 percent from three point range on, 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 on nearly uh, three, three and a half attempts per game last year. So, so this is a guy who, you know, all of the keys are there. And, and if, if you say that, you know, he's the 130th ranked player, you know, this this is a guy who could end up, you know, kind of swinging a lot of uh, fantasy uh, basketball seasons next year because this is the type of production that you can get in the later rounds where, I mean, this guy could literally come out here and average 20 and 10 next year. No, he's going to be a top 50 guy. And if anyone in your league knows what they're doing, there's no way he's lasting there. That just shows, again, the foolishness of what ESPN is doing with their rankings. He is, at worst, a top 65 player. At worst, at best, a top 40 guy. I think because when we look at it, Troy... Who the hell's the backup center on this team? Is it Mo Wagner? Is it Jan Mahinmi? Like, there are no good options behind him. 
And I mean, I would say right now it would probably be Jan Mahimi. Uh, Mo Wagner is a is a little bit of a project. He just got cut from the German national team, so I don't know if he's really coming in with the momentum that the Wizards even uh, anticipated when they traded for him in that uh, salary dump that the Lakers did to facilitate the Anthony Davis trade. But yeah, no, I, I think Thomas Bryant has a has a very good chance of coming in and playing more than thirty six minutes per game. Uh, uh, what, what is about that? average for an NBA starter. 36 minutes is a ton. I don't think he's going to get to that. I think he's going to push 32, 36, but it's possible because again, it's just, there's garbage behind him. No offense to Mahinmi and Wagner, but they're not good. So, Bryant, you look, maybe he plays 33, 34, 30. If he played 36, I reckon he's a top 30 player. Like That's as simple as it gets. So, there is massive upside. I think there's no, almost no downside in Thomas Bryant for this season. One of those safe guys you can grab in the fourth, fifth round and you know, real chance. The only way he goes from there, I believe, is up. So, I'm pretty big on Tom Bryant for this season. The uh, next question to you is, who's the starting point guard? That's that. That's a little bit of a tough question. I believe that the starting point guard will be Isaiah Thomas, uh, just because Isaiah Thomas is coming into this uh, NBA season uh, being healthy for the first time in uh, the last two summers. So he had an opportunity to get his body back right and, and go into the season. Instead of him spending you know, the summertime rehabbing injuries, he's been able to, you know, work on his strength and his conditioning and his skills. And so I believe that uh, he, he he's put himself in a position where his body will not fail him. And by him coming to D.C. and with John Wall being out injured, I mean, he has the opportunity right in front of him to play. And I know that if there's one thing that uh, head coach Scott Brooks loves more than anything and that's a, a, a diminutive uh, point guard. So because it, it, it kind of reminds him a lot of himself when you know when he was playing back in his heyday with the Houston Rockets. So Isaiah Thomas coming in at five nine. I mean, I think Scott Brooks is going to give him every opportunity to come in and kind of win this job. And and, and if uh, if Thomas's health is uh, where that he thinks where he believes it is and where the team believes it is, then I think that he'll be the starter and that Ish Smith will. Uh, eventually uh, come off the bench and be his backup. I don't know what to believe with, with these situations because you can get conflicting reports between that, that Buckner discussion about the uh, starting lineup. Katz had an, an opposite thought saying Ishmith is, he, Fred basically said he's guaranteed to be the starter and Thomas come off the bench. Both of them did say that Thomas will likely have some sort of minutes restriction. It's just really hard to understand how that's going to work. I wouldn't want to look at either of those guys outside of a last or late round sort of a flyer type. Thomas by far has the higher upside out of that, those two guys. So he's the guy I'd take before Ish Smith, but trying to figure out exactly how it's going to run because Isaiah Thomas has not been healthy for three years. He also has not shot over 30% in each of the last two seasons. He's grumbled continuously where, where he's been about you know, how he didn't get paid and, and playing time and how you know, people were unfair to him. I just think that at the age of 30, at his size, with a persistent a lingering hip issue, it is going to be tough for him to get back to anywhere near that level where it was. But of course, the upside for him is significantly larger than it is for Ish Smith. They are just still just um, later round sort of players uh, to take a fire on. But yeah, Thomas is the guy that I prefer over Smith. But Smith can always be an interesting assists guy. He doesn't offer much more than the assist, but late in drafts, it can be pretty hard to find a guy who does provide assist at a, at a decent enough rate. And that's sort of where we are with Ish Smith. Um, let's see which uh, the direction do I want to go here. There's a couple of interesting players on this team. 
um, in terms of some younger dynasty type guys. But I, I want to talk about the second round pick from the Wizards this season, who I believe will be in the rotation you know, pretty much straight away, and that's Admiral Schofield. Do you see him being an every night guy pretty much straight away? See, this is where I don't know. I don't know. But having knowing, having covered the team over the last few seasons, I just Scott Brooks's mentality. He has a very old school basketball coach mentality, where he does he just doesn't dole out minutes to to rookies. So whereas a Rui Hashimura, because he was drafted so high, and I think there is a lot of a little bit of outside pressure, not just from you know basketball people within the Wizards, but you know marketing people, you know trying oh, trying to make huge. sure that they market Rui as a Japanese uh, NBA basketball player. I think that he's going to play a lot of minutes this year. I don't think that it's guaranteed that Admiral Schofield is going to be in the rotation because I mean I, I think that you know I think that there's an opportunity for him and you know depending upon what happens with CJ Miles' injury at the beginning of the season you know I think that there will be an opportunity there for him to 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 kind of prove himself but ultimately I just know that Scott Brooks he just doesn't really trust a lot of young players so banking on him playing a lot especially at the beginning of the season I think uh it, it, it may be a little ambitious just based off of the information that I know of, of Scott Brooks and how he treats young players. So who's going to be the backup shooting guard then? Well, Jordan McRae. Okay. Uh, you, you mentioned his name earlier. Jordan McRae is a player who uh, last year he was on a two-way contract with the Wizards. And really with that two-way contract, he spent the majority of his time playing for uh, the team's uh, – the team's uh, capital, the Capital City Go-Go, their uh, G League affiliate. And so that was their inaugural season. And so um, with, with that, I think Jordan McRae's role last year was to, you know, kind of put butts in the, in the, in the stands at, uh, at the Capital City Go-Go games. And, you know, he ended up uh, being one of the most dynamic players in the G League last season. You know, uh, I think he's averaging, you know, close to 30 points a game. Uh, in the G League, and, and this is a guy who, you know, he has NBA experience already, so it's not like he's a, 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 a younger player. Yeah, he's you know, 28 he's already, years old. What, 20, I believe 26 years old, 27 no, years old. He's 28. So, and, oh, wow, see, I didn't even know that. So, um, yeah, so he, he's an older player, and he has uh, experience. He was on the, uh, the 2016 Cavaliers championship team, and one thing I can tell you is that he has a relationship with – all of the players on the Wizards team, yes. especially with Bradley Bill. I yep. would say Bradley Bill, he and Bradley Bill are kind of like, you know, BFFs uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, dynamic with, with player friendships. And so uh, I, I'd say that the Wizards, they look, they put themselves in a position where I think they, they, they are expecting a little bit out of Jordan McRae for this year. And I think that the relationship is mutually beneficial for both parties. So I, I honestly can see Jordan McRae having a, a, a breakout season, but I think that for the first time in his career, he will be given the opportunity to kind of play consistent minutes and, and early on. That, that, look, that, that is definitely a possibility. I would try and see what Schofield can do, but I'm not the coach. But the point you make about him in the locker room is huge. I've read that multiple times about how well-liked he is, how much of a glue guy he is in there, joking around with people, building relationships with everybody really you know, early on. As soon as they come in, he's straight there you know, you know, getting you're getting the atmosphere really, really strong, and that can be huge for a team that is going to suffer quite a few losses this season. Now, the other couple of guys who I do think are interesting on this team, Isaac Bonga and Justin Robinson, Probably not going to see too much of him this year, but Bonga is a really interesting skill set. 
Robinson could end up being the best point guard on this team, depending on how Smith and uh, and Thomas go with their age and their injuries this season. So there are some interesting guys there from a dynasty point of view, but I don't think we're going to see too much out of those guys this season. I'll just mention this quickly because someone's going to ask me for sure. Jamario Jones came across from the Lakers last season. He had some huge games to end last year. I'm not even sure he makes this roster considering they have, I think, 16 guaranteed contracts at the moment. Do you think that he'll be the guy that ends up getting cut? Because they do have to cut someone out of those guaranteed deals. Yeah, I think that there's a very good chance that Jermaine Jones is the person who ends up getting cut. Um, you know, just because I feel like the team has more invested in, you know, obviously Mo Wagner was a first-round draft yeah. pick, and uh, Isaac Bonga, uh, you know, he, he showed a little bit more promise uh, last season playing both with the Lakers and with the G League. And I believe that, you know, Jermario Jones would probably be the odd man out. But one of the things that I can uh, attest, like, I, I think that, you know, the team had their unofficial uh, mini camp in uh, Los Angeles uh, last week. And I was headed up by Bradley Bill. And uh, Jamario Jones was one of the names that I kept hearing about from, you know, team sources saying that he had a good mini camp. And he made an impression not only on the rest of the players, but, you know, some of the, the members of the coaching staff as well. So, you know, I, I think that it, when it comes – when you're just looking at it from a logical standpoint, you know, it, it, in a game of musical chairs, it seems to be that he would be the last man standing. But I think that, you know, Jamario Jones, is a, he's a competitor. And so, you know, I, I think that the Wizards, they were, they're looking for somebody to break out of that, of that you know, that, that, that pack of players that we're talking about. And, you know, quiet as it's kept, I think that uh, Jones could be a good bet to uh, emerge – now, if he doesn't emerge, I think that, you know, the team will, will probably end up releasing him. But I think that um, they're, they're from, from my understanding, they have interest in trying to keep him within the program and maybe trying to uh, stash him with the Capital City Go-Go if another team doesn't come and pick him up. Troy, that'll uh, do it for us here with the Wizards just quickly before we go. Uh, value pick. Now, I said I'm not a massive fan of Rui, but he's ranked 205 on Yahoo, so I think there's value in him there. I also think that for some reason, uh, them having uh, Mo Wagner at 199, again, uh, ahead of Rui makes absolutely zero sense. You don't want to be drafting Wagner in the league, but I think Hachimura is a guy that we look at in those uh, last couple of rounds to see what he can do. Troy, let us know where people can find you on Twitter and about the podcast as well. Yeah, so my Twitter handle is at Troy Halliburr. That's T-R-O-Y-H-A-L-I-B-U-R. And the podcast is Locked on Wizards. That's at Locked on Wizards. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and or wherever else that you listen to your uh, podcast. Um, we, we, I've, I've taken over as the host uh, over, the, over the last two months now. And, you know, just kind of building up a little bit of momentum headed into the season. And so, you know, I, I have a goal as far as, you know, the amount of podcast downloads and, and things I want to do this season. So if anybody's out there listening to this podcast, you, you can go check it out. And, and, and we, we, we delve into a lot of different basketball topics. You know, we look at things from, a, from an analytics perspective, from an eye test perspective. And, you know, uh, I think that I, there, there's an advantage to people who are like actually on the ground and going to the arena and going to practices, talking to the players and having a, a deeper understanding as to what's going on with the team. So th that, that's the type of content that I'm trying to provide over at uh, Locked On Wizards. And so, yeah, I, I think that, that the people will be uh, uh, pleasantly surprised to, to enjoy content for a team that doesn't really have such a great outlook. Go and check out Troy on Twitter and over on Locked On Wizards. Troy, thanks for jumping on with me. 
No problem, Josh. I appreciate you for having me. That'll do it for today's show. Make sure you're subscribed to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Isaiah Thomas.